0: Coming up on this episode of the Mario Rosenstock podcast.
1: Well, I have heard it all. Jesus Christ. We can all be leaders. Oh, Svetlana. Why don't you stop taking the trolley down to aisle 34 and just take over my company? Please. I have to go and cry in the corner with Enda. Sorry. I've heard enough. You're barred from Ryanair. Flyer Lingus future, you bollocks.
0: What a fascinating conversation we have for you on this episode of the Mario Rosenstock podcast. Enda McNulty played football for Armagh, winning an All-Ireland Medal and an All-Star Award while he was at it. He's taken everything he's learned on the pitch, combined it with deep study into the human brain, and has now become one of Ireland's top performance, leadership and mental toughness coaches. He's worked with many of the greats, Brian O'Driscoll, the Leinster and Irish rugby teams, uh, Johnny Sexton, Olympian David Gillick, and so many more. Enda has just published his second book. His first book was called Commit. His second book is called Commit to, number two, Lead, in which he shows us all how we can all become great leaders. Is this possible? Roy Keane and Michael O'Leary aren't so sure, and they made that very clear when they phoned in to talk to Enda. (laughs) After an hour in the studio with Enda,
2: I was convinced by him. Leadership isn't something we're born with. Leadership is something we develop. It's like on stage... The more you do it, the more you practice mm-hmm. it, that deliberate practice, the better we get at it. So leaders can significantly improve if the following four or five big things happen.
0: Oh, credit to Marcus Aurelius,
2: Who?
3: I thought he played for Stoke,
2: Marcus
0: Stoke,
3: Aurelius. not Stoic, Stoke, I thought you said he played for Stoke, not Stoic,
1: Stoic City,
3: he signed for 35 million. Was he any good? No, he was playing up front with Plato and Socrates.
2: When we were at Queen's he would show vulnerability he would actually openly cry in front of the team sit us around the change rooms and cry and say eh, gentlemen I let you down I, I got it wrong I failed I got the strategy wrong I got the game plan wrong you literally would see the tears coming down his cheeks
0: Mario Rosenstock uh, thank you for joining me on my podcast and the McNulty I'm really driven you're obviously really driven um, <laughs> but I'm learning <laughs> but I'm learning and I'll, I'll leave it there thanks for joining me on my podcast Mario good luck <laughs> that was absolutely well intriguing that well was magic my full fascinating chat with Enda McMilty coming up in just a couple of minutes time but one of the big stories of this week was the news that Ryan Tuberty will soon be vacating the Late Late Show presenter's chair and it seems maybe even having a tip at the presidency if Willie O'D is to be believed and maybe for Fianna Fáil but anyway the speculation is rife about who will replace Ryan as presenter of the Late Late Show let's go straight over to Des Scahill, um for uh, our first race of the day uh, in Leopardstown Des uh, we go over to you for a very special race over to you Des thanks Mario it's the Late Late Show presenters chase a lot of runners and riders in this one big prize number two Miriam O'Callaghan is a non-runner Miriam O'Callaghan withdrawn they're coming around now into the- and they're off And first to show is Ray Darcy Ray Darcy followed by Brendan O'Connor Dahi O'Shea (laughs) trying to get involved on the outside Dahi O'Shea Claire Byrne looking good on the inside Claire Byrne Marty Morrissey trying to get into it Ray Darcy getting a bit tired already. Well and Brendan O'Connor now also getting a little tired. They're coming around and Tommy Tiernan is absolutely cruising. Oh, right. Tommy Tiernan is going beautifully, closely followed and watched by Claire Byrne. Aye. Dahi O'Shea coming under pressure. <laughs> and here come from nowhere, here come the two Johnnies. <laughs> Two, Johnny's Tommy Tiernan, Claire Byrne And one Johnny is gone One Johnny is gone which means That it's Tommy Tiernan And they're riding Number with only one Johnny behind them It's one Johnny being ridden along Tommy Tiernan, Claire Byrne Here comes talking bollocks Talking bollocks And Dave Fanning flying on the outside Tommy Tiernan,
1: talking bollocks And here comes the rank outsider Enoch Burke Enoch Burke, talking bollocks, one Johnny, Marty Morris, he's gone! Enoch Burke, talking bollocks, Tommy Tanner, oh, Byrne, Bosco, secondside, does get the girl. turkey, they all fall over the line, and that's a
0: photo finish for definite. Oh, what a race! Oh, they'll have to do this one again. <laughs> and that race will run and run and run and run. Photo finish me ours. OK, let's go straight over to the studio and introduce my special guest on this episode, Enda McNulty. We had this chat just a couple of days after Ireland overcame England in the Aviva Stadium to win the Grand Slam. Enda has worked closely with so many of Ireland's rugby greats, so we had to start there. This Irish rugby team that's had so much success and is having so much success, they keep talking about this word like the leadership group. Um, And that leadership group exists in the management, but it also exists on the team and in play as well. Um, You must be fascinated by the performance and leadership of this team as a sportsman yourself. Um, What can you see that they're doing that's that that epitomizes or indicates good leadership values?
2: Well, I love the way you started with performance and leadership, and it's almost the intersection between both. So, <clears throat> getting the frog in my uh, we'll go again with that. <clears throat> <clears throat> Take two. So, I spent my whole life being fascinated by performance and leadership. That's nearly now probably my whole adult life since I was 14 years of age. I still would say, honestly, Mario, I still haven't got the grasp it. It's a fascinating subject. It's a genre that I am absolutely intrigued about. I'm intrigued about when I hear you on Today FM in the morning doing Gift Group. I'm intrigued about the psychology you must be in to do all those different characters. I'm intrigued watching you on TV or on stage. To go back to your question about leadership and performance in the Ireland camp, I've sat in lots of those leadership group meetings... And what they are is it's a round table at Carton House on the second floor, and it might be Joe Schmidt and Michael Kearney and Jure uh and Andy Farrell, of course, back. And Joe's time, and now with Andy Farrell's time, it'll be Paul O'Connell. It'll be Simon Easterby, who's a brilliant leader, brilliant coach, very humble man, incredible professional. It'll be obviously John Fogarty, the scrum coach. So it's all the coaches. It might be Gary Keegan, and then the leadership group, maybe eight or nine guys. Who is that? It's of course it's Sexton. When I was there, it was Rory Best, obviously, as the captain. And when I was there, it was Paul O'Connell or it was Brian O'Driscoll. And all those leaders have different leadership styles. Including Joe and Andy. And all of those leaders bring their different agendas and their different, let's say, approaches to leadership. Some are thinking about the young players, some are thinking about, you know, what do we need to do after the match if this hype gets crazy and so on. And it's a very open agenda. Uh, It would normally be chaired by either, obviously, back in the day it was Joe Schmidt. I've been in leadership groups chaired by even Declan Kidney. Uh, Obviously now to be chaired by Andy Farrell But he's a much more empowering coach So he he would empower Sorry my Northern accent gone crazy (laughs) He would empower uh, The Johnny Saxons And the Connor Murrays Of course the Robbie Henshaws uh, The Gary Ringroses And all of those leaders Are brilliant leaders But they've got different strengths And I think Andy's It's fair to say He's a strength based leader
0: And what is a strength based leader?
2: People who uh, play the leader to the biggest strengths not oh. worrying too much about what your weaknesses are it's a bit like if if I work with Mario Rosenstock in the next five years and I try and make you the best financial guru into the FM, I'm probably going to be on the wrong uh, page in the wrong definitely be on the wrong page yeah <laughs> my may understanding got to be wrong you so don't it's...
0: need a person with multiple personality <laughs> disorder doing the accounts <laughs> certainly you don't need a person who does Bertie Ahern impressions in charge of the money <laughs>
2: I was actually nervous as hell coming here today because one, one of my good friends on the Armad team, Benny Tierney, he's a brilliant comedian. He's, he's probably tried his whole life to be as good as Mario Rosenstock. Ah. So on the back of the bus going to the big RMA games, I'd be literally quaking in my shoes. Not about the game, but that he was going to take the piss out of me ah. on the right hand side on the bus. So I was walking here absolutely nervous I'm as not well. not at all.
0: Let me relax you because there's loads of people who ring into this show as well, right? And the first person on the line is Jerry Adams. Would you say hello to him?
2: journey how the hell are you
0: doing? <laughs> how are you? And uh, first of all, let me say it, it's great to hear you talking about power. But the second thing is, you mispronounced the word empire. I know you blamed it on your Armagh accent, but there's nothing to be ashamed of coming from Armagh. Well, so I want to hear you... say it with me now. Empower. Can you say
2: situation? Do you know how to say situation?
0: <laughs> Look, I'm calling the shots here. Sorry for using the word shots. Uh, will you just say empire now? And uh,
3: <laughs>
2: After
0: me, Empire. Empire. There you go. Now I'll be listening in to the rest of the conversation. I'm not going away, you know. So just—I didn't think so. <laughs> so just—I'll be hanging around. Thanks, Jerry. That's brilliant. Jerry, see, he must have made you feel relaxed. <laughs> brilliant. So anyway, so 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 uh, so jo- so Andy, uh, strength, strength based. That means he, he concentrates on the strength of his team and himself.
2: I think he was a brilliant player himself. He was so he had the ability as a player to really empathise with mm. other players. I think the great coaches to become the great players to become great coaches, they're very few. If you look at the great coaches in American football who make it the big time, uh, sorry, the great players who become great coaches, mm. it's less than five percent. Mm. So Andy Farr is one of those people who was a brilliant player and now is probably even a better coach.
0: Does this indicate the idea that the attributes that make you a great player? Uh, aren't necessarily uh, there for making you a great leader. Yes. And what are they?
2: Well, the attributes to make you a great player, of course, initially are very individualistic. So it's very much about can you execute the basic skills with exceptional, let's say, performance under pressure every time. Uh, what makes you a great leader is can you get people to follow you nice Mm. and simply can you get people to follow you whether it's you know from a rugby point of view can you get your whole unit your whole you know forward unit to follow you your whole backs unit to follow you then can you get the team to follow you then can you get the squad to follow you Johnny Sexton's managed to get the whole country to follow him so was Paul O'Connell and Brian O'Driscoll and Rory Bess and people like that what makes you a great coach then is a different skill set again so you'd see coaches different to leader Yes, absolutely. Mm. Mm. Because I know a lot of brilliant leaders who would not be good coaches. Mm. I know a lot of great CEOs who are very poor coaches. Although it's interesting earlier you mentioned the word intersection and the crossover. Although there's a very strong crossover of the need for coaching skills if you're a great leader.
0: Okay. You're you're, you're you're, you're, you're splitting things up nicely now. So try and then parse this more for me.
1: What is a leader? What is a leader? I
0: know you just said it a minute ago that a leader is somebody who can make other people follow them. But what is that quality?
2: Yeah, a leader is somebody who inspires, somebody who leads by example, someone who gets people to believe that the goal is possible. And most importantly, a leader is a dealer in hope. Hmm to get people to hope and believe that this is possible. Shackleton is the great example of that from an Irish point of view. In modern Irish, in modern Ireland, I can't think of anybody better than Mary McAleese. One of my heroes in life now is the CEO of Gold Globally. Uh, In the last few weeks, she was in Turkey and Syria. 30 of her team... God rest them, uh, were killed in the earthquake in Syria and Turkey. Uh, so she is my biggest hero now as a leader. Uh, Who she, is that? Uh, her, her name is Siobhan Walsh. Yeah. Uh, she leads uh, gold globally. They make an impact in on 150 million people's yes. lives around the world. Yes. So what does she do as a leader? She leads by example. She sets a strategy. She sets direction. Uh, she is incredibly empathic as well as when she needs to be assertive she's authentic I think earlier on you were talking about being independent and yet showing that ability to be different in essence for me uh, Mario that's authentic alright this is
0: fascinating it, it, it really is fascinating um, so um, like it, it has so many different branches to it can I, can, I, can I just throw a few spanners in the works here I love it alright one of your things of your books is one of the, the, the themes of your book. Commit to lead, isn't it? Commit to lead. Yes. Yeah. Is the idea that anybody can become a leader? Okay. So just out of truculence and out of I love, that word truculence. Yeah. Just out of truculence, I would, I would, I would, I would try and throw a spanner into the work of that. What about the idea that everybody shouldn't become a leader? What about the idea that only some people should become leaders because they're better at being leaders, and maybe that to use an inverted commas, they were kind of born to be a leader. And what about the the, the follow-on idea from that, that it's not right or good or proper that everybody should be a leader. In fact, it's better that some people should be followers, foot soldiers, and not to be pejorative about them, that they are fantastic performers, but not leaders.
2: I love it. I think we need to empower young kids in particular to understand that they need to lead. And the most important person to lead in life is yourself.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: We all have the opportunity in life, thankfully, to lead ourselves. Isn't that the most empowering thought of all? To lead your life. To lead your life, to lead yourself, to lead where you want to go in your career, to lead how you respond to a bully in the classroom, to lead how you respond to a bully in the workplace, to lead how we all respond to a bully in Russia at this time. So we all have the chance to lead ourselves and by that let's break that down again uh, to use your phrase from earlier. Let's break and dissect that by leading yourself. We all have the opportunity to have self-confidence That's led by me. We all have the opportunity to be resilient. That's led by me. We have the opportunity to have a very strong self-image in life. That's led by me, not by my mother or my father or by my wife. I own and lead that 100%. And the great psychologist Viktor Frankl, uh, who survived the the Holocaust, uh, obviously in the Second World War, he spoke about that concept that... Ultimately, man and woman's greatest freedom is that we get to choose how we respond to adversity in life. And for me, that's leadership. That's leadership of mind. And when we get that leadership right, I would argue then we're on the pathway or the journey. That's why on the front of the book, Commit to Lead, we have that lovely pathway through the mountains that then disappears. Because the pathway, as you know, Mario, in terms of the difficulties and challenges you've been through in your life, the pathway is clear for some of the time and then it disappears and you have to figure it out. Mm. So I I would strongly argue that every single person listening to this podcast, and I'm literally fascinated every time I listen in, whether it's Louis Walsh or whether it's Charlotte Regan, whoever it is, I'm fascinated. Every one of those are leaders in different ways. Mm. But every listener, whether they're running, as a good friend of mine talks about, whether they're running a tidy towns uh, committee in Black Rock County Louth, or whether they're running a global organization and they need the organization to make sure they're thinking of the planet, because we're all going to start to think about that in a big way in the very near future.
0: Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the things that I've noticed about, from my, if I can jump in and just uh, speak about, you said that a lot of people in, who appear on this podcast are leaders in their own right, and one of the things I've noticed that's common around leadership or uh, maybe, maybe becoming le- a leading light in your field is resilience, and so uh, we've heard a lot about resilience, and from you know even Rocky Balboa about you know like it's <laughs> not how many times you're hit you it's, slagging my accent again. No, it's it's not my arm, Max. You know, we've all we're all used to the guy that said, "Not how many times you get hit. It's what you do after you hit. Hit, you get up." So we know what resilience is, and in fact, it's become a little bit of a cliche. It has, do, do, do you know, but 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 I found that people who can, I found that people who can, to use another expression, dust themselves down, get on with it, and literally keep going. Uh, are much more likely to be successful. And I know even hearing myself saying that it's a truism. Of course it is. But we get in ourselves in our own way as human beings too much. And so what you say about leading your own life is resonating with me, because as humans, we get in our own way too much. Um, And here's another one. And the other one uh, just you jump in and comment on this if you like. Uh, My wife actually is a big, big follower and uh, reader about uh, Stoic theory and Stoicism. And she's taught me a lot about that. And I've really been interested in, in, in her uh, looking into that. And t- for listeners out there who aren't quite sure of what that means, um, we're, you may have heard of the Stoic philosophers, but Stoicism, to, to, to parse it down to its simplest, would be the idea from one of the, the authors of this book is that the obstacle is, is, is the way. Uh, that actually the obstacles you face in life aren 't obstacles they are the instruction by which you will reach your goal uh, to negotiate with these obstacles to learn from them, to embrace them to fall in love with them in a way is the is your path to success it 's the people who see the obstacles as big black door walls that will stop them getting from where they want to go that is where that is that is where it ends for people not to embrace the obstacle, to jump on it and to work with it and to be, find it to, to be malleable.
2: Do I love you, it. You? Marcus Aurelius. So I guess Marcus Aurelius has helped me through lockdown. I know you spoke a lot about lockdown. I'd say that every single morning of COVID, the COVID pandemic, every single morning I would have worked out, I would have read Marcus Aurelius, listened to Stoic philosophy, read about it, reflected on it, and then decided how I was going to react for the day. I think a week after the government locked Ireland down, what I did was, uh, obviously all businesses were shut down, all offices were shut down, the guards were on the street corners of Dublin, as you all know. Uh, I decided that I was going to get out on the bike with another bike, so I got on my bike, I had a bike in my other hand and I wheeled through the streets of Dublin and I'd pick a CEO up on the other bike and we go and we talk about what we're going to do to turn our business or collect our business around. Mm. So Stoic philosophy absolutely helped me uh, decide how I was going to respond to it as mm. an individual, first of all, as mm. a family member, mm. uh, somebody in the community trying to genuinely help people during that time, mm. as somebody who'd spent my whole life preaching this stuff mm. so I better bloody practice it. Mm. There's a phrase in Stoic philosophy I love is don't talk about it, be about it. Okay, that and that's leadership. I guess the essence of leadership. I'm a. F-
0: Is that, do you mean walk the walk?
2: Absolutely. Mm. So you mentioned about Tim Holiday's books. I think he's he's a magician. He's, he's an amazing wordsmith. But he's only writing about Marcus Aurelius, and Marcus Aurelius was the leader of dealing with people literally sticking on the back, sticking a knife on his back in the middle of the night, or trying to.
3: Mm.
2: He was dealing with all these other incredible adversities of wartime at his time, mm. uh, and he was trying to navigate, find the strategy to navigate through it. But most importantly, Meditations wasn't a book for the public. Mm. Meditation was a book for himself mm-hmm. to help him to navigate, uh, using his psychology to find a way around all the obstacles. Mm. Uh, to find a way to build on the obstacles, that the obstacle actually is a stepping stone forward. Another coach said that there was in Queen's University many years ago. He'd said that for most people, the obstacle would be the dead end. We'll be using it always as a springboard forward.
0: Another call coming in, actually. Uh, you can hear these calls, yeah? I hear them all, do you, yeah. Do you want to put on, your headphones? Ringing there. Put on your headphones? Yeah, have it on. It's actually, um, oh, jeepers. So he rings in quite a bit. It's actually Roy Keane. Say hello to him.
2: How you doing, Roy? Good to see you again. Oh. How's it going, Enda?
0: Uh, Nice to talk to you. I'm driving around. I'm
3: listening to this stuff. Do you have an email or or, or a
0: phone number I can get in contact with?
2: I'm old school. I'm old school.
0: Because I'm looking for a leadership role and I'm having no fucking joy whatsoever. I'm having an absolute nightmare.
2: Roy, I have huge respect for you. I'd love to sit down and have a coffee, old school cup of coffee with you.
3: Can I ask you a serious question? Of course. Can you identify any issues with my leadership capabilities at the end of the day?
2: I wouldn't start with the, the issues, Roy. It's a great question. It's a great question. Roy, he's open. He's got a growth mindset.
0: He's got a growth mindset. All credit to Ender McNulty. All credit to optimization of my personal leadership vilification. Jesus. He's really, he's got all the lingo. All credit to Marcus Aurelius. Who? I thought he
3: played for Stoke. Marcus, Stoke, not Stoic. Stoke. I thought you said he played for Stoke, not Stoic. Stoke City. He signed for thirty-five million.
2: Was he any good?
3: No, he was playing up front with Plato and Socrates. Socrates. Socrates was some kid, wasn't he? Euripides. Euripides was a great player at the end of the day. No, I'm, seriously, get back to my question. A lot of people have
0: said, um, well, actually, not a lot of people have said because uh, they're all afraid to tell me to my face, um, but that I've got leadership issues. He raises a good point. He raises a very good point. Because, like, was... see, he is an example of the brilliant performer and a brilliant leader, in a way, from your giving example leadership. But there are issues around him, isn't there? Aren't there?
2: I wouldn't use the language issues. Mm-hmm. I would say that as, as a young... Uh, sportsman, he was one of my heroes, as was the Paul McGraths, they, they were my heroes. Uh, the, the great uh, Kevin Moore and the Dublin centre halfback and the Man United, they were they were my heroes as a kid. Uh, I think he's got phenomenal strengths. I would actually love the next three or four years that Roy surrounds himself with a team of people that coach, mentor, and advise him to go to the next level as a leader. And I think if and when he's. Now, he gets stop that. there
0: for a second. That's a very interesting point you raised because, like, half the journalistic football media spend half their time going, Will Roy Keane get another job? Mm. Do you think, as a person, you are directly in this in this area? Do you think somebody like Roy, who's fifty-one years of age now, uh, is a legend? Great pundit. He's very funny. Um, I'm still listening, by the way. Sorry, he's still listening. Um, and uh, do you think he, he he could transform himself into a leader? Into a leadership role again, Ender?
2: I know we can. Really? Yes, and I would say that with absolute certainty, if he wants to. If he's willing to invest in the time and effort over the next two or three years on that. And I'll give you some science behind that. There's a fascinating book about uh, the brain that changes itself. It's possibly the most game changing book I've ever read in my life. And it's about how neuroscientists have proven that we've got a brain that's not hardwired, that's softwired. So if you use a really good example, if somebody tragically has a stroke, we can show that how the brain can softwire itself again and learn how to walk again and you learn how to speak again or learn how to show emotional communication again and so on uh, they actually have showed with studies with monkeys and with human beings what happens inside the brain after trauma to the brain which proves that obviously even after trauma the brain can repair itself can grow itself again learn how to sing again learn how to communicate again and so on so that's that's let's say a more tragic example from a leadership point of view the science is all there but i, I give you a leadership example Johnny Sex in the last four years has significantly improved his leadership he has uh, other good examples, if you think of our society... He has learned. He's learned. Mm. Well, it's exactly, it's a learned trait. Leadership isn't something we're born with. Leadership is something we develop. It's like on stage, the more you do it, the more you practice mm. it, that deliberate practice, the better we get at it. So leaders can significantly improve if the following four or five big things happen. One is they get feedback from people that know what the next level of leadership is and they can give them incisive feedback. As my good friend, the Associate Director of Riverdance, uses the phraseology pinpoint feedback. So Patrick Miles, when he's given the dancers in Riverdance feedback about their performance, it's down to the literally milliseconds and down to the milli-movement. So this is, in a sense, highly
0: technical feedback?
2: Technical and it might be leadership feedback. It might be, let's say, communication feedback. So, to get somebody that you trust your life with and give you that quality of pinpoint feedback, and it's not necessarily people. uh, Okay, so you've
0: just brought up a word though, there, and that, that is trust. Trust. You've got to show trust. So, if I was, I'm just thinking of Roy Keane here in this thing, right? So, in other words, he's then got to invest trust in
2: somebody. Yes. Yes, and and again, there's lots of people in football that I'm sure he does trust. Okay. Scoldsy, <laughs> <laughs> Sir Alex. He might sit down with Sir Alex. I don't think Alex would be in the picture. <laughs> I don't think Alex. The
3: fucking traitor, Fergie. No, 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 no. I, Ender. you know, Scoldsy maybe to be credit credit to Scolzi. Yes. You know, um, and Butsy, but you know, Brucey. What about Brucey? Brucey, uh, Brucey, yeah.
0: But n- not Fergie. Not Fergie, okay. In fact, anybody at E at the end of their name, no, including McNulty. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> so maybe it's somebody like a Martin O'Neill then. Somebody that he trusts that he works yeah. with, that he trusts their leadership, mm. not just their coaching. So I think it's get that quality of feedback trust. from somebody. All right. Trust is, is definitely important for the person giving you the feedback. Okay. The second thing is maybe some deep reflection in regard to self-awareness. Because that's us come back to that self-leadership.
0: All right, let's just jump in there for a second. I do get the impression that the gentleman in question, Keane, uh, is highly intelligent and therefore has a capacity for self-awareness.
2: Very uh, definitely highly intelligent. Difference between intelligence and emotional intelligence. Yeah. An old coach said to me many years ago, everybody's intelligent. Let's ask them how intelligent they are. Mm. So there's a difference between me being intelligent about what happens in the media industry or me being intelligent about what happens on a rugby pitch or a Gaelic football pitch, but my intelligence in terms of how to get the best out of people is a different intelligence. Correct. So I think Roy Keane has, is one of the greatest football players of our generation, there's no doubt about that. But perhaps there's an opportunity for him to develop intelligence from a leadership point of view, emotional intelligence. Mm. And we talk about that in the book Commit to Lead. Very much so. So emotional intelligence. EQ. EQ, Uh, AQ is, come back to resilience from earlier on, TQ is team quotient, showing those little behaviours that are different now for working with an 18-year-old than whenever I was an 18-year-old. Because whenever I was an 18-year-old, the coaches could come in and read the riot act and you better sit up and take notice very quickly. Now the 18-year-olds, you have to be much more gentle with them. You have to be much more positive in your coaching style with them. So perhaps there's an opportunity for Roy to develop more EQ and again that is a developed skill if we practice if we get coaching if we reflect
3: He's come. here we go again the hand around the fucking shoulder argument. I'm fucking sick of hearing this oh fuck oh you're grand it's okay you're only 10 minutes late for training I put me hand around your shoulder and go okay yeah do you want a sweetie eh yeah. do you want a wibbly wobbly wonder you know oh it's okay is that what you're saying I don't know you know that's fancy dance shite to me
2: A wibbly, wobbly wonder. No, I think great leaders decide when to be putting your arm around the shoulder and when they look you in the eye and say, this is not good enough. Mm. That's what the great leaders do. And I think Roy Keane has lots of the great leadership characteristics. But I would say, and I would be straight and say that clearly he needs to develop other characteristics mm. and he needs to improve those characteristics if he wants to be coming back to... Uh, Wouldn't it be
0: fair to say he doesn't seem to show the willingness to do that if you judge him by the way he speaks in interviews? He's he's a little intransigent in, in interviews. I mean, I, again, I would say he's, he always struck me as being highly intelligent because you can see that about his alertness and quickness and deftness and how you can see it in his eyes. You can often see people's intelligence in their eyes. Um, but he seems to be quite intransigent in his views. Roy Keane isn't the type of person who seems to go,
3: yeah, I wonder,
0: uh, maybe, uh, maybe I should rethink what I just said there. Or, you know, he just seems to be absolutely fastened in on what he said. He's L- locked in. He's locked in. He's non growth mindset. Yeah.
2: So if you're locked in, the danger of being locked into one view of the world is you're not open to the other view. This of the is what world. I'm saying. And you mentioned about being open earlier on. So isn't that what great coaches do? They get people to open up. Yeah. And they do that not in the first session. It's a bit like you being on stage. You're not doing that in the first minute, but you're hoping by the end of that show, you've opened the whole audience up. I, I think Roy Keane absolutely has the potential to become a great coach again. Yeah. Mm. And an even better leader, and I would I would qualify the percent an even better leader. I think the language we use around leaders is very important, mm. because if I say that he's got loads of weaknesses and he's got loads of failings and fall, let's say faults, he's never going to sit down with me or anybody else. But if I say he's got phenomenal strengths, and clearly this individual has, uh, but he's got a lot of work ons to use the rugby parlance, or to use the uh, let's say performance psychology parlance, it would be he's got lesser strengths. Mm. I think he needs to work on his lesser strengths I can tell you that I've got massive lesser strengths uh, and I've had to work really hard on those in the last 10 years one of those and I know you've spoke very openly about that uh, even on uh, Tommy Tiernan Mm. Family family stuff Family and Mm. vulnerability so like 10 years ago there's no way I would have opened up about any of the challenges I've had in life and the difficulties and my fragilities and you know weaknesses no way it's interesting do you mind me asking you what age you are
0: 46, 46. OK, I'm 52. And I I, I, I found that I, f- I find that growing older uh, is is a is a lovely, lovely experience. And it's a releasing and a freeing experience. And, and it makes you more open because the more you see in life, the more you realize, hey, what was I ever afraid of? It's not going to hurt me. It's only life. Right. So you see the same patterns over and over again. And if you can interpret those patterns to your favor, it basically reads this. Hey, there's nothing to be afraid of. You are just a person. You've made mistakes. You're flawed. Um, but so are the people around you. And it's not. sometimes it's not their fault. It is what it is. Don't beat yourself up. And that's what I was basically saying to Tommy, that I come from a flawed, very flawed, an unusual family background, an unusually uh, difficult family background. But lots of family backgrounds are difficult and I shouldn't feel as if I need to beat myself up about it or be ashamed of it. And I and I certainly shouldn't feel as if it has scarred me. It, it has made me probably part of who I am. And, and that's a good thing as well. So uh, so that's what I've learned getting older as, as well. And that's an, that's a, that's an interesting thing. as well.
2: yeah, well, I think that's incredibly inspirational. If you know what me saying mm-hmm. and i think we've all again go back to that moral obligation we've got a moral obligation particularly for young people to get them to be okay with it not being okay
3: mm.
2: agreed so there's a mental health campaign recently uh, it said something like it's it's okay not to be okay which i totally agree if i was to put another sentence in that i would say it's okay not to be okay but it's not okay not to support the person who's not okay
3: mm.
2: yeah so i think we've got, we've all got that opportunity in life to support somebody who's not okay and we know that in Ireland now we're getting much better at opening up about those mental health issues not only in men but in men and women of all ages we're getting much better from a leadership point of view of knowing that vulnerability uh, and I speak about a brilliant story of Desi Ryan in that capacity I spoke to him on Sunday night one of my best friends in life he's 83 years of age ex-fireman New York City pound for pound the best leader I've ever met in my life bar none Uh, he's unbelievably in love with his wife Mary he's unbelievably with his young kids Uh, I've actually met his grandkids and trained along with him and his grandkids he's fitter than his grandkids away out there in County dirty and Throne but when we were at Queen's he would show vulnerability he would actually openly cry in front of the team sit us around the change rooms and cry and say "Eh, gentlemen I let you down I, I got it wrong I failed, I got the strategy wrong, I got the game plan wrong, I ill-prepared you, our practice wasn't good enough, I didn't see that coming, and he would he literally would see the tears coming down his cheeks. So as, as a young man, to see this iconic leader, and we knew he was just a brilliant leader, to see him crying, it, it almost it really registered with me about, wow, that's leadership isn't the autocratic style. We're going to climb over the top of the Alps like Napoleon Bonaparte. Uh, we're going to be like Angela Merkel showing that almost stoic leadership all the time. It's that vulnerability, that softness, that, that complete vulnerability to show exactly how you're feeling right there and right then. Uh, I think that's what the great leaders are now doing. Ten years ago, we weren't mature enough, maybe from a leadership point of view, but we're getting more and more mature, I think, as a society in Ireland. And I hope in the Western world, post-Trump, and I hope it's post-Trump, the Biden era of leadership is much more authentic. It's a more respectful leadership. 100%, yes. Oh, no, no, it is. Carry on. Uh, So I'm very passionate about that. Yeah,
0: no, it is. It is. And it is, yeah. Um, To show uh, weakness is or not weakness to show openness and vulnerability is 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 a strength. Here's another thing related that that I've noticed and you can riff on this as well, and that is really hard thing to do, really hard thing to do when you think you are a person who goes the way they go. That kind of person finds it difficult to not only admit they're wrong, which is one thing, but possibly part of a growth mindset when you do. Even more hard is to say you're sorry. And that's something I'm learning the value of more in my life. I have a long way to go uh, because it's hard. It's hard to look somebody you care about in the eye and genuinely say, I'm sorry. Uh, That's hard. It's incredibly hard to to row back, to take a step back just row back it's it's not easy but i think that incredibly when you are able to do that genuinely with somebody it is hugely powerful a powerful wow. and sends that person a huge message of confidence wow. and opens up their world.
2: Wow, that's intriguing. Uh, I have an advisor and a mentor of mine who's an ex-advisor for the Irish government to the US government. His name's Tim O'Connor. He's a conciliary for the Irish government to the US government. Fascinating gentleman. He's now, he'll not mind me saying, he's 70 years of age. But... I meet him once a month and we spend three hours or four hours together and he's coaching me, mentoring me, guiding me, advising me, challenging me. We have a brilliant lunch or brunch and literally it's four hours of learning on steroids is the best way I can describe it. And in the last conversation we had we ran in Ranelagh a lovely little coffee shop, we asked the girl, was it okay? They were closing up, we asked the girl, was it okay? We could sit there for a few hours just chatting and she gave us that courtesy. And he used a brilliant phrase uh, that in the North back in the day, when they had the staunch IRA, and I know you'll bring in Gerry Adams in this later on, when they the staunch IRA, uh, when they had the INLA, when they had the UVF, when they had Thatcher, when they had the Irish government, the US government, we're trying to bring them all together. One of the things that he came across was at the end of a sentence when you're a really good leader with diplomacy, you don't have an exclamation mark, you have a semicolon. Mm. In other words, you make your point, but you're open that the person sitting across the table from you, let's say the Nelson Mandelas,
0: continues or or or, or, or takes something from it and continues your
2: sentence almost exactly. And, and you're on. open, and you're open. So, in other words, exclamation mark means that's my position, Mario, and that's the way it is. Versus if it's a semicolon let me understand your perspective. So Mandela was probably the epitome of that. It isn't, it's my way or the highway. It is, this is our position, Mm. but I'm very open to what your suggestion is. In other words, we're going to merge Mm. and have a medley of ideas. Uh, That's one response to your lovely vignette. The second uh, addition to that, you you mentioned about saying sorry. Uh, I found that difficult my whole life. I think all of our listeners would find that difficult i tell you what I've also found very empowering, and that is saying thank you in a very meaningful way. And that's what I loved about this book. This book, in essence, is a way of saying thank you to the people who've been incredible to to me in my life. Mm. I've been unbelievably lucky. I continue to be unbelievably lucky, but I want to be brilliantly lucky in the next 30 years as well mm. because I think lucky is at the intersection when you're good to people, uh, when you genuinely always strive to do the best thing for all the people in the room, and... Uh, and saying thank you to people, I heard Oprah Winfrey talking about that concept. She said, the greatest prayer you need in life is to say thank you. So when I'm struggling with something that's going on in our business, uh, um, our company's called McNulty, when I'm struggling with something and we've lost a big contract with a global client and they're going bust or they're cutting 10,000 people or whatever it is, when I'm struggling, I just put myself to sleep by saying thank you about, I'm not exaggerating 150 times. I'll say thank you about, the wife that I've got a beautiful wife I've got Julia I say mm-hmm. thank you that we're blessed to be pregnant now I say thank you for the amazing mum and dad that I've got I say mm-hmm. thank you for this industry that I'm in which is about working with good people leading them coaching them inspiring them mm-hmm. I say thank you for an amazing interview like this and I'm not being over the top of that some people say and that's very soft I can tell you it's an incredible medicine just to say thank you for what we've already got mm. and i think by saying thank you for what we've got you're so much more open mm. to other things that happen in life i think it's very empowering
0: yes it is it is and and one of the things you said there taps into the very you know million year idea i suppose of karma and karma is something um is is, is something I, I never really thought of but it does it it does It is reflected in something you said there, and that is that to contribute to the pool of thank yous, sorries, love, encouragement, it all comes around and it is poured back into you as ultimately. So it's that old idea that to give is to receive.
2: Absolutely, I think the secret to to living is giving. Yeah. I firmly believe in that. I think you know the other phrase, and I know some of these phrases are very hackneyed, but it's mm-hmm. the science behind yeah. them. Yeah. you know, you reap what you sow. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember reading a neuroscientist perspective on that. That basically our subconscious mind, if we're implanting our subconscious mind with positives, with things that are good, with gratitude, Mm. what we're really doing there is we're preparing the mind for a later stage receiving that. Uh, So I'm a huge believer in this, obviously, the power of the subconscious mind. Uh, A really famous guy called Joseph Murphy wrote that book. I think way back in the day Padraig Harrington was interviewed by the Irish rugby team in camp many years ago I was actually meeting Johnny Sexton I was only working with Leinster at the time not with Ireland and Sex, though gave me a Text after it to say that Harrington was in the night. I said, "Oh well, great. I'll always be trying to learn." What did he say? Uh, he was fascinating. He was brilliant. But, you know, but well, give me something specific. I'll never forget Johnny texted me and he said he told us about a book that he was reading. So I said, "Of course." What's the book? The book was "The Power of the Subconscious Mind" by Timothy. Sorry, "The Power of the Subconscious Mind" by Joseph Galway. A uh, very, very fascinating book by Joseph Murphy. Apologies, mm-hmm. Tim Galway is the inner, the inner power, game. The inner game.
0: I read The Inner Game when I was 14. <laughs> See, <laughs> so I played tennis. See, I played tennis all my life. And my coach, oh, seriously. So my coach, yeah. So I played tennis all my life. Since and was, you read that at 14? I read it when I was 14. So
2: did I. That was the first book that, that opened me up to this. Yeah. Thing. My dad handed me that book at 14. And
0: I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. Timothy Galloway and um, The Inner Game, folks, is a kind, of, a kind of tennis for Zen. Zen Buddhism meets tennis. Like Zen and the art of... I'll, motor, I'll, motor,
2: I'll do motorism. I'll do a coaching session when you're on the court. Yeah there's an offer i, I love to do uh, coaching where do you play
0: I play in Carrick Mines. so yeah. out in, um so the one of the analogies that they remembered the analogy that they used was uh you know consider the tennis player you're playing against and you're getting you're getting hosed and uh, he just he for example he he's just can't lose he can't miss and then you change sides it's, it's it's six love and it's five love and you change sides and you go jesus you can't miss that forehand today <laughs> and then you win the match because he can't he just can't hit a forehand for the rest of the the re, the day and of course the reason is because he suddenly he suddenly started thinking about it. He suddenly started thinking about his forehand instead of behaving automatically. Why? And instead of um behaving automatically in his subconscious almost mind, that place where um Martina Navratilova originally coined the expression the zone where he was he was playing out of his mind, they, another one they say, because when your mind gets in the way, it stops you from playing. But what he was doing was he was enjoying his tennis and he was playing beautifully with his forehand. But the moment he began to think consciously about it, he could not hit a ball. And that's uh, what the inner game strove to get around, to play in a state that is out of your mind, that is uh, subconscious or, or out of consciousness.
2: The zone of not functioning if every, yeah. if every performer
0: listening or, in. Exactly. Or, or in the flow. In the flow. That's another
2: question. Yeah. Yeah, Fascinating. So on on that flow state of, again, you were asking me about my work earlier with elite performers. In essence, that's the role of the great coaches is to get people in flow. Yeah. And if you can get people in flow, Ireland have done that phenomenally well during the Six Nations. If you get people in flow, they perform to their optimal, they perform in that zone of optimal functioning. And that's where it's at. Now, that's not only with the mental game, as you know, from your tennis. World, it's about thousands of backhands. I watched Maria Sharpova at IMG in Orlando. uh, Watched her on court in her practice. I think I literally watched her doing a thousand serves before she took a break. Mm. It was like that, like that, over and over and over Mm. and over again. And I think sometimes in elite performance, we forget about the importance of practice. And we forget about the importance of the practice done away from the crowds and the bright lights, as Muhammad Ali used to say. It's far away from the bright lights and the cameras clicking. It's about the quality of deliberate practice. And that's grounded in incredible research by a guy called Ericsson, uh, not the English football coach, but another Ericsson who spoke about deep, deliberate practice. Watching Robbie Henshaw post-training and doing his de- deliberate practice on his own. It's like watching an elite pianist with focus.
0: One hundred percent, and I've thought a lot about this subject. Um, funnily enough, not in a not in a, a a prescribed, thought out manner, but just lying in bed at night with my head in the pillow, thinking about these things. Um, and and another concept is let's say, you say suboptimal and optimal, and then there's beyond optimal, um, which can be related, let's say, to moments of genius or words that are the word that would might be used it might be genius. This man Mozart is a genius. This man Federer is a genius, and I've thought about that quite a lot, and actually, I disagree. I, I don't actually think they're geniuses. What I think they are is they're provo- they're they're, they're they, were, they are providing or are coming up with uh, uh, examples of work which are utterly incredible. But where is the genius? The genius, I think, is coming from their peculiar appetite to practice deeply, and that is the genius. The genius is in the this. This comfort they feel in deeply engaging over and over with repeating and repetition and with even discovering new ways, small ways within the practice they're already doing. of. When you hear about people going, yeah, I put in another 10 hours practice today, but they're actually just phoning it in. That's not real practice. OK, they will get better, but they didn't really practice. They, 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 they just ticked it off as a kind of an exercise whereas the geniuses are actually exponentially learning and improving as they practice for they are practicing at a level which is even beyond their play wow yeah I, that's I, what I think that's just the <laughs> stuff that, I've, that, that, I think it's that fascinating. I've thought about
2: I totally agree I totally concur with that And to add to that, what I think, I'm actually more intrigued watching practice than watching the games. Mm. I'm more intrigued watching an elite musician practice than them doing it live. Because Mm. then, you know, how much do they really want to be the best version of themselves as a performer? Mm. To watch their preparation, even their diligence before they prepare Mm. and train and practice. Mm. Their diligence afterwards, their reflection afterwards, the mindset they're in before they step into the practice arena. And I don't just mean you know, sports people because I think our listeners would say, but what about all performance crucibles? I'm fascinated by all performance mm, crucibles. Me too. Like a lady who performs surgery on baby's eyes, mm. should she not get as much accolades as the gentleman that scores a goal in of the course. Ireland final? Or should she not get more accolades? Because if she makes one mistake, it's a baby's eye that yeah. loses out. So I am actually more intrigued to be really honest with a listener that the lady who performs surgery on baby's eyes, her level of performance is much higher and mm. scale of difficulty than Michael Jordan mm. who if he doesn't hit a three-pointer mm. what's, the, what's the consequence? He's mm. already a multimillionaire. millionaire yeah. There's no consequence but there's a big consequence with the let's say a neur, neural surgeon mm. who, who makes a mistake with a scalpel. Mm. So I, I think I'm more fascinated with that level of performance now because I've spent my whole life now in sport. Mm. I'm more fascinated with other genres of performance mm. like what you're saying and, and the quality of the deep deliberate practice. I think you can spot the genius by mm. the quality of the practice. Mm. I don't believe in genius. I mm. believe that all the geniuses were amateurs mm. early days. Yeah, very
0: good, very good. Um, there's another call on the line. Uh, if you want to put on your headphones there? Uh, it's uh, Michael O'Leary, he's calling in from Reiner. Say hello to Michael. Michael,
2: how are you getting on? How did the horses go last week?
1: <laughs> well, I have heard it all. I have heard it all. Semicolons Hands around the shoulders Nelson Mandela My bollocks (laughs) What is wrong With a psychopathic autocratic leader? What is wrong? Uno voice. Uno duche I'm right You're wrong Shut up 1999 Get out Fly to Bratislava One way I'll give you a coaching session out there And you won't be coming back Jesus Christ, we can all be leaders. Oh, Svetlana, why don't you stop taking the trolley down to aisle 34 and just take over my company? Please, I have to go and cry in the corner with Enda.
2: Sorry.
1: I've heard enough. You're barred from Ryanair. Flyer Lingus, future bollocks. Uh. I am
0: well talking to you. Another caller on the line. Say hello. How you doing? It's Ender. <laughs> Ender Kenny.
3: Enda Kenny here. Boom, boom. Really enjoying the conversation. I loved it. The way you started about bikes, riding bikes and finding another man with a bike. Bikes. Bikes, bikes, bikes. Nobody. And leadership. Let me tell you about leadership. One of the best things you can be as a leader is knowing like you look like what you're talking about even when you haven't got a clue. That's the secret of leadership. The second secret of leadership is pointing. If you point enough in enough directions, everybody will think you're making a point. Whereas actually you're just swinging your arms around. It's easy. Now, if you can do that while riding a bike with your best friend pointing, right? Someday, somewhere, somebody's going to go. He knows what he's talking about. Boom, boom. Did you ever see the film? Answer me this.
2: I need to pay you for this. This is therapy.
3: Did you ever see the film Being There? No. Watch it. Peter Sellers plays a gardener called Chauncey Gardner. He's basically very mentally challenged. (laughs) But he ends up becoming president of the United States because all he talks about is flowers in the garden and he goes the flower needs to be fed water and water is important and everybody goes Jesus Christ the guy's a genius that's the way I watched it that's the way I did it and a little bit of pointing thrown in and some winders and a few of that you're brilliant any fella who can get away with what I did called Ender,
1: is good in my books
3: genius that is
2: genius that's what I call
1: genius (laughs) Enda Federer Enda
3: Federer
0: Mario Rosenstock uh, thank you for joining me on my podcast Enda McNulty I'd like to thank you for joining me I'm really driven you're obviously really driven thanks Enda Um, (laughs) but I'm learning (laughs) but I'm learning and I'll I'll leave it there (laughs)
3: because
0: I'll leave it there thanks for joining me on my podcast Mario good luck Thank you, Ender. What an experience. Every one of these podcasts oh, is different. Folks, that was so unusual. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that was absolutely well, intriguing. That, no, was that was oh, magic. That was absolutely magic. Oh, thank
0: you so much. And that's it from Ender, and that's it from me. You can contact me directly. Mario Rosenstock at gmail.com to vent to tell me what you would change about the podcast, to tell me what you love about the podcast, to give me ideas for any sketches you might want me to do. I read them all and I get back to about 95% of them. Thanks again for joining me. See you same time, same place, next week on Go Loud.